Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church. My name is uh, Pastor Joel Hess, and uh, I have the privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with you. Thanks for listening, and if you'd like to support the ministry, the mission that God is doing here in the uh, Lincoln Park area through St. James, please go to our website and uh, donate online. Thanks for listening. peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I love having you guys up here. You haven't even sung yet. Oh, you did. Hallelujah. You guys did a fantastic job, by the way. Great work. Thank you, Mrs. Gath, for working with these awesome kids. Has anybody heard of the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, it's actually called, and I've been told that's derogatory now, but uh, the Western Wall. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, you still, if you were to visit, by the way, a little, uh, little commercial, next year I'll be leading a tour of the Holy Lands from Rome to, um, to Jerusalem. If you're interested, let me know. We always could use more people. It's actually a cruise uh, and it ends up in Jerusalem, but uh, talk to me later about that. But in Jerusalem, there's a wall that you will go there, and every day people go to it crying, praying, putting prayers within the wall, saying Psalm 79, which I might read later on. And uh, what that wall is, it's the holiest place you can pray if you are in the Jewish religion. It's the last remnant of Judaism, and uh, it's very popular. It is the remnant of the temple. It's the only thing left of this glorious, incredible building, the temple of God in Jerusalem, that uh, was the most amazing thing you'd ever seen. It's one of the seven wonders of the world back then. People would travel, uh, Jews and non-Jews would come and take a look at that incredible, gorgeous, gigantic building. And they literally would wonder, how in the world was this built, much like the pyramids? When you look at that, you're like, how did they do this? It was that sort of incredible incredible, gorgeous, and just magnificent building, the temple. And today, just a crumbling wall is left. And sadly, the, the, uh, the Orthodox or more conservative Jews go there and they pray because they mourn over the fact that that's all that's left. And they pray to God and they actually pray for a Messiah to come for that temple to be erected again. In today's gospel lesson, we see Jesus there at the temple, and it was in its heyday, it was in its glory. Herod had added to it. It was amazing, like I said. And, here, and Jesus was in the temple, and he was just leaving the temple with his disciples, and they are in awe at the temple. But do you remember, what was Jesus at awe about? What did he stare at and adore when he was in the temple? Remember that? Last week we talked about it. Who was it? It was the poor widow. He was looking at her who had nothing and nobody cared about. He saw her. Everybody else is staring at the glories of the temple and the uh, chief priests and the Pharisees and the, the rich, and, rich and the famous going around and Jesus was looking at the nobody. So they're leaving here, uh, ironically, after Jesus just got done pointing out this poor widow, they're leaving the temple, 
And uh, one of his disciples said to him as they're leaving, and the, the temple's so large, it's looming over them. They're probably going down the Kidron Valley, and uh, a disciple says, hey, look back, right? There's a good, good view from here. And he says, look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. So, you know, I think they're, think they're, they're being good disciples, right? We, we also like the temple, Jesus. You love God and you've been teaching us. Surely you're going to appreciate how incredible this temple is. Look how big this, this, this thing is that we built. They had not learned yet, though they should have, that anytime you go and you show off something to Jesus, he just knocks it out of your hands. He's terrible like that. We like to imagine Jesus, hippie Jesus, loves everybody, and everything he said was just all cool, man, whatever. No. <laughs> you came proud of something. You came to point to something as being awesome. Jesus knocks it down. He reminds me of my kids when they were younger. When you're on a beach, what do you like to build? Sandcastles. But also when you go on a beach and you see a sandcastle, what do you like to do? Knock it, destroy it. Even better. Great. Yeah. You just have to, right? So Jesus is like you guys on a beach. This big sandcastle, and the, the disciples are, are pointing this out to Jesus, and Jesus goes and kicks it down. Rips it right out of them. He says, he goes, he says this. Look at those, uh, after they said that, he says, um, you see these great buildings? You like them? Pretty awesome? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. He rips any glory that they have, any confidence in this temple, any pride that they might have in this temple or themselves, and he steps on it. <laughs> and it's hard to have that done. I'm sure they wondered. In fact, they did. They're scared. And so they, they later on, they go to Jesus and they say, tell us when this is going to happen, right? They're frightened. How is this going to happen? This sounds like the end of the world, and it is. And Jesus goes on and says, it's the end of the world. If you read on in Mark, he goes on to tell them, uh, after they ask him, when will this be, right? By the way, does anybody know exactly when Jesus is coming again? No, that's very important. And if you go, if someone tells you they know exactly when Jesus is coming again, you are in a cult. Run away. That's, a, that's always the first sign. The first thing every cult does, I promise you, even the large and the popular ones, are always based on studying Revelation, and they're always based on Jesus is coming back right now. Red flag, run. All right? And uh, so they want, when is this going to be? And Jesus says to them, the first thing he says is this. Is this funny how this works out? The first thing he says, beware that no one leads you astray. And then here we are, and, and good intention Christians start reading Revelation, and they start predicting when Jesus is coming back again. Just as Jesus predicted, right? So be aware that no one leads you astray. Now, how can you be, how can you be aware? How can you be ready? Because Jesus says people are going to come and say, I am he, or they're going to come and say, he's coming now, and they're going to lead you astray. What's the best way to be ready to be able to say if that's a false teacher or not? Be in your Bible. Read Scripture. Doctrine is important. <laughs> Details are important because the devil hates details. He likes vagaries and uh, stuff like that. 
you should know Scripture so you know who's leading you astray or not. Uh, that's not the point of this sermon here. But Jesus begins by saying that. It's kind of fascinating, doesn't he? He doesn't say when. He just simply says, watch out. A lot of people are going to sell you left-behind books. Anyhow, so he goes on and says, then Jesus began to say, uh, many will come in my name and say, I am he. They'll lead many astray. When you hear wars of rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. Okay, so don't be saying, like right now, you hear this all the time, right? Um, it's terrible out there. This must be the end, the end times. Well, duh, it is the end times. But it, it, there's been wars and rumors of wars going on forever, right? So don't be afraid of that, he says. Um, when you, uh, the end is not, the end is yet to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. And he goes out, and he keeps on going. He talks about how that uh, you're going to be thrown out of the synagogue. Your, your parents are going to actually betray you. You're going to lose friends because you're a Christian. And that, in fact, happened exactly like that. It was a Jewish religion, Christianity. And as they began to enjoy the peace and hope that's in Jesus and talk about him as Messiah, they were indeed thrown out of the synagogues. They were removed from their families. The church started out in pangs, let alone the Roman persecution of 200, 300, and 400 A.D. Everything that Jesus said is true. And it's frightening to think of the end, the end times, that everything that we have built, that everything that we have got planned for and all your, your plans will come to an end. It's scary, isn't it? Be honest. As you get older, though, I, I don't think it, it becomes less and less scary, by the way. But when you're young, I remember thinking, like, well, I don't want the end to come. Why? You know, I got this and I got this I want to do, right? I want to, go to, I want to go to Michigan State, man. I need to party there for a little bit. And then, after Michigan State finally wins a national championship, then, Jesus, you can come again. Does anybody have something like that? Maybe it's not Michigan State, by the way. Maybe Illini, but that's ridiculous. Anyhow, but uh, no, I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> You know what I mean? We don't like ends because we have a fantasy that everything's great right now, quite honestly. Just like those disciples. Because we have those brick buildings that we adore, that we cling to, that we think will last forever. Even though common sense, empirical evidence says nothing actually does. We're scared of ends like those those disciples, because, because we have idols and gods that we love here. Those disciples, you know, we, we make fun of perhaps, or we um, feel bad for those that go to that wailing wall, to that western wall, and they're, so, they're mourning and they're sad as they cling to this crumbling wall of hope, because we know that Jesus has come, right? How sad that they cling to, to brick as Christ has come. For them, by the way. And we want them to know that Jesus has come. But what crumbling walls and temples and great bricks do we cling to that will fail us? You know what I'm saying? Jesus wants to knock those down too. What things do you come to Jesus with like those disciples saying, look, and Jesus has to knock it out of your hand.
Yeah, as Americans, I think we can be kind of like America is forever, right? So, I mean, this, is, this country is going to last forever. We can actually have a hope in, which is weird because if you've been through the political system or even work in politics, I don't know how we have a hope in it. It's crazy, right? But we really think, we really do, this country is going to last forever. It's great. It's awesome. It is, by the way, the greatest country ever in many levels. But we actually can think it's going to last forever when it will not. Or I think also in our modern world, modernists, we are so, we have amnesia to such a degree and a whole, we have amnesia, actually that's a whole other sermon, we have amnesia. We think that technology, we really do, we trust our technology, don't we? You actually think that someday we're going to find a cure for death and it's never going to happen. We actually think, I mean, or, or technology, I mean, we actually like those disciples, look, Lord, look what we built. We're sending people to Mars for some reason. You know what I mean? We're doing these amazing things. Look at what we can do, God, like the Tower of Babel. Jesus knocks it down. Reality should knock it down. Or maybe your gods are in your own personal life, Right? I mean, you really, I, who here really has a certain confidence? I have, you know, I've, done, I've worked hard, God. I've done my best. I've got this little empire that I've built. I've secured my future. I got my retirement going. My kids are taken care of. We can feel pretty good about ourselves, can't we? Feel very confident that we built this temple that's never going to come down. Do you feel like that? When in fact, it's all coming down. And you don't need to be a Christian to understand that. That's reality. As Jim Morrison says, nobody gets out of here alive. And Jesus, quite honestly, and it stinks, sometimes his job in your life is to knock down some temples. And it hurts sometimes to have those knocked down. And maybe it's health. Maybe it is a job. And maybe it is money. But sometimes our Lord knocks down temples in our life, and it causes a little pain. But he does it so you can see and cling confidently to the one temple that can never be taken away, will never crumble. The temple that has died and risen for you. Amen. And it hurts to have those temples and those sandcastles knocked down by our Lord. And I'll bet many of you have had that happen in your lives, as you not. Whatever that might be, a diagnosis, uh, maybe it is a lost job or a change or a fear or a divorce. These struggling and difficult times that come upon us <laughs> by God's blessings cause us to cling to the one thing that we can cling to forever that will never let us down, which is Jesus popular psalm that uh, Jewish people sing and read when they go to that wailing wall, to that western wall, is this. It's 79. And it starts out, O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. And they did. Jesus, it was like probably 30 A.D., said that every single brick is going to come down. In 70 A.D., amazingly, as the Jews revolted against the Rome, Rome came in and absolutely obliterated the whole city. The whole temple came down, as Christ predicted, and it's still down, and it's never coming up again. And so the psalmist goes on, How long, O Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? 
Do not remember against us our former iniquities. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. People say that and have been saying that at that wall. Jesus has fulfilled that psalm. Isn't that powerful? He has come and delivered the Jewish nation and the Gentile nation, all sinners from our sins and iniquities. When Christ, the true temple, the eternal temple, not made with hands, come down from heaven, allowed himself to be torn apart brick by brick on the cross for you and for me, as the writer of Hebrews says, to be the sacrifice, the final sacrifice for all our sins. He has atoned for it. He has paid for it. We don't need a temple anymore. That temple will never come up in Jerusalem because we have an eternal temple in Jesus for all people, and an eternal high priest and an eternal sacrifice. And in Christ we have peace and we have hope. And that's the only thing that we have that we can count on, because He is risen. What do we say? He is risen? He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The temple is torn down for us. The temple was raised up again. Christ will never die. And those that he claims and grabs, you and me, will never die either. And that's something you can take to the bank. And that's something you can cling to. And that's something you can worship because it has not come to eat you alive, but in fact Jesus has come to totally give you all things. You will be okay. So as your temples are coming down, and they will, Cling to the one that will never, the promises of God, forgiveness, eternal life. He will not let you down. He reigns forever. You do not need to be afraid of bad news on the phone. You do not need to be afraid of the end because you've got Jesus, and he will not let you go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome.